Appreciate being here this morning. I had forgotten about it, but I thought about it during the service. I've been here for one other senior adult Sunday. I was here a couple of years ago, I guess, and brought the special music that day. I had forgotten that till then. I appreciate the opportunity Brother White has given me to be here this morning. I had a flashback when that choir sang that song this morning. David Bain introduced that song to our church down in Lakeland, Florida, but he forgot to give me all the details of that song. So I was sitting on the front row, as Brother White is, I was on this side over here. Well, basically about, about the middle, I guess, is where I was. It was a middle aisle, but I was right to the side of that, just sitting there. And I got caught up in that thing. And all of a sudden, when that choir number was over with, I jumped up and started rushing up on the platform just as that last part of that song started again. <laughs> and I creeped back and sat down. Yeah, when they got through, he said, oh, Pastor, I forgot to tell you about that. And the choir just broke up because they thought it was so funny that I did that. Turn to uh, Psalm chapter 92, if you will, Psalm 92. My first pastorate, I'd been a uh, music and youth pastor for many years, uh, about 15 years, I guess. And then my first pastorate, I got introduced to being the oldest person in the church at 44 years of age. My first pastorate was in Germany. And I pastored an American military church. And of course, when a person is 40 years of old, they've already put their 20 years into the military and they got out. So everybody in the church, just about, I had a couple of people who were gray-headed and you knew when they had gray hair, they were probably officers. So I had some officers that had over 20 years. And uh, But I was the oldest person in the church. Now, my wife wasn't near that old. She was a lot younger than I was, about 10 years, something like that. I lie real good. It makes the week go much better. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, uh, we had a time with that young couple. But it was one of the most amazing things in the, in the entire world. To pastor that church, military people so patriotic and loved our country willing to die for it I was there during desert storm and we had our church set up with tv and we had a christian school there but uh, we watched the war we watched our people that were down there fighting we watched it live there from Germany and it was a tremendous thing but my wife and I became grandparents to all the kids. In fact, one of the guys taught his son to call me Grandpa Preacher. They were away from their grandparents, so my wife and I became the grandparents to the entire church, and we had a, a large military work. We One year we were averaged over 400 uh, every Sunday in our service there, so we had tons and tons of kids, but we were the grandparents, and we were proud to, and today on Facebook, I am friends with many of those kids that were in our church there. In fact, we have people all over the world. Some of them are missionaries today that were in our church, were saved in our church there. 
And so we had just a tremendous time of being the grandparents and the parents to those young couples. Here in Psalm 92, a very interesting passage of Scripture, starting in verse number 12. In verse 12, it says, The righteous shall flourish like the palm tree. He shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Those that be planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. They shall still be they shall still bring forth fruit in old age. They shall be fat. I always liked that part of that verse. <laughs> For many years, my favorite verse was the last part of Proverbs 28, 25, where it says, He that putteth his trust in the Lord shall be made fat. I loved that verse. I looked at a skinny person. I said, I can prove my salvation. How are you going to be <laughs> That word there does not mean fat. It means full of sap. In the old age, they shall be fat. They shall be still full of sap. In other words, they're very healthy. Not physically sometimes, but spiritually. And that's what's needed in our churches today. People who are spiritually healthy. I'm afraid that in this day in which we live, our churches are full of unhealthy, spiritually Christians. But we need, as was said earlier, older people who are seasoned, who are examples to those other couples and those other families and those young people that here is somebody who has been standing strong, and that's the title of my message, Standing strong in their old age. I look back at my life. My spiritual roots go all the way back to 1945 in Coldwater Baptist Church when my father was saved. And when my father got saved, he got saved. I mean, it never was a question in our life where we go going to church tonight. We went to church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, every special time the doors of the church were over. I open. I've said over and over, I think my dad just went down and opened the door sometimes so we could have a place to go. <laughs> but I was growing up in church, and I was saved at the age of eight. I'm 75 years old now. And I can never remember a time that we did not be faithful at church. I grew up in the early years, as he says, Pastor said, cold water. When I was about 10 years old, we moved up here to uh, about a mile up on the right there, Stone Street. We were the first house on that street there. And I know why it was called Stone Street. That was the rockiest place in our life. We were the first house there, and so we had to plant grass. We dug up rocks. If you were to go on the back of the lot back there, there's a rock wall about that high all the way across the whole lot. That was rocks I picked up while my dad was working somewhere else, and I put it there. But my dad was a song, lay song leader at 
Trinity for many years. And, uh, and then at age 21, I got a call on the telephone. Somebody said, uh, we are interested in having somebody to come lead our singing. And it was Pastor Y.F. Miller at Woodland Park Baptist Church on uh, Quintard. And I said, well, I'm not a song leader. He said, well, your dad is. And I understand you're a musician. You ought to be able to do that. So we prayed about it. My wife and I, we went up there with a little small baby at that time. And there's never been a time since that day that I've not been involved in ministry. Now, I'm not saying that to pat myself on the back. I'm saying that to say that there comes a time when people have to make a decision of what they're going to do. Life is full of choices. You are today the sum total of all the choices you've made from that time to now. You are becoming in the future the sum total of all the choices you made from the past and now in the present. I say to young people, and I was a youth pastor for a long time, if you don't like where you are in your life right now, you need to make some changes in the decision you are making because one day you're going to be the sum total of all the decisions you're at right now. So if you want your future better, you need to make choices at this time. So we have choices all the time. Those choices are whether or not you're going to go somewhere or not go somewhere. You're going to do something or not going to do something. You're going to be with a certain person or you're not going to be with a person. You have to make a choice of whether you're going to stand or not going to stand. We're living in a day where a lot of people don't, don't make any stand whatsoever. They're politicians. Politician doesn't take a stand. They check the wind to see which way the wind's blowing, and then they get in that direction. Why? Because the votes will put them back into their office. I read something the other day that said that Christopher Columbus was probably the greatest politician that ever lived. He left not knowing where he was going. When he got there, he didn't know where he was. When he went back, he couldn't tell him where he'd been. And he did every bit of that on somebody else's money. (laughs) That's a politician. But we don't need that kind of Christians. We need Christians who will take a stand and say, this is what I believe. This is what God's word said. And I'm going to stand on that. The sad thing is we have some people in the pulpit today. You don't know exactly where they stand. One day they'll say this. Next day, if they're with that crowd, they do the same thing. I'm thankful we still got some pastors like your pastor here that knows what God's word says and stands upon that word. God never called me to be popular. God called me to take a stand. And sometimes taking a stand is hard for some people to do. But it's what God has called us to do. And as believers, and you ought to be a believer this morning, if you're not saved, you have to realize even to be saved, you have to make a choice. Paul says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, my mind went blank. 
For by grace are you saved through faith. That means you have to make a choice. For by grace, it's all of God, but you have to make the choice to receive what God wants to give you. For by grace are we saved through faith, and that not of yourself. It's the gift of God. Verse 9 says, not of works, lest any man should boast. So you have to make a choice even to be saved. And if you're here this morning, you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. That's the greatest decision, greatest choice you'll ever make in your life. As an eight-year-old boy in Chattanooga, Tennessee, in a little old house trailer, Back in those days, we didn't call them mobile homes. It was a house trailer. Didn't even have a bathroom. The bathroom was in the middle of the courtyard, and it was a public thing where all the trailers around there would come in. They were old uh, World War II uh, mobile homes. This was in 1947, I believe it was. 1948, I was saved. I got on my knees. My folks took the word of God, showed me how to be saved. That day, I made the choice to receive Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. Next Sunday morning, I made the choice. I walked down, made a public profession of my faith, and was baptized. All of that was choices I make. We have to make choices all the time. Those choices sometimes are not always done. You can go and look into the word of God, and you see the men in there who made some choices, and they stayed strong standing for God through their life. I could say this morning, I could bring to you this morning the story of Noah. And you know the story of Noah. He was a man that made a choice. He didn't know what an ark was. He didn't even know what the purpose of it was. But God told him to build that ark, and he built and preached. Built and preached. As far as I know, he was the first bivocational pastor of all. Didn't have many converts, but he stood no matter what. I could talk about Abraham. Did Abraham have some problems? Sure he did. He lied. He deceived. But he had made a choice. He went out not knowing where he was going. God said, leave here, go there. He didn't question it. He went. He took a stand for God. I could talk about Moses. Moses made a choice when he was down in Egypt as a young man and saw his people being persecuted. Now, he was going to be the leader of those people, but it wasn't God's time at that time. And he had to flee for his life, but God didn't give up on him. God put him on the backside of the desert for 40 years, and there on the backside of that desert, God gave him a family. God put him through some testings, and then God sent him back to Egypt to bring his people out. Did Moses have some problems? Sure he did. Even his brother had problems. But God made him the first high priest. All of these had to make choices in their life. I could go on. Gideon is a good example. I've used Gideon over and over and over especially now that I've got old. I'm not what you call an elderly person. I'm an old person. I know that. I was in Germany when I turned 50. My mother called me on the phone. She said, how does it feel to be a senior citizen? I said, what do you mean a senior citizen? She said, well, at some places when you get 50 years of age, you can get free coffee. I said, I'll pay for my own, thank you. 
But hey, I'm glad I am where I am. I'm not in good health. In 2006, I couldn't walk across the room without huffing and puffing. I weighed uh, 342 pounds, taking 90 units of insulin a day, two pills, and still my glucose count was over 300 every day. I was in bad shape. I decided to have the gastric bypass. But to have the gastric bypass, I had to have a clearance from a cardiologist. I went to the cardiologist. He said, you're too heavy for me to give you a regular stress test. We better just go ahead and do a heart cath. They found four blockages of just about 90% each. No wonder I couldn't walk across the floor. Hadn't had a heart attack yet. So he said, we're going to do heart surgery on Monday. I said, what time do you want me to be here? He said, what do you mean be here? You're not leaving, son. We're putting you in the hospital right now. I wouldn't guarantee you'd make it to Monday. So I had three bypasses. They couldn't get to the other, so I still have blockage, but no problem now with my heart. But in 2006, I made a choice again. The greatest choice I think I've made outside of my salvation and who I was going to marry. The kids flew in from all over. I have three children. They all there. And I looked at them. I thought, they, may, they must think I'm not going to make this, uh, this heart thing. And then I had the gastric bypass. And on Thursday, I stepped on the scale. I was 342. On Thursday, I weighed 192 pounds. That's 150 pounds lost. I feel great. But the choices I made earlier has caused so many problems that I have lost my eyesight and I don't see real well. The joke in our church in Florida is don't sit, if you don't want to pray in public, don't sit any closer than the fifth row because he can't see anybody past the fifth row. (laughs) But I tell you what, I am thankful that I can still stand. And serve God to the best of my ability. I teach Sunday school every Sunday morning. I enjoy that. I still sing. I've been a singer since I was a little bitty kid. And uh, <clears throat> that basically, I still think I have a strong voice now. Sometimes I have a lot of phlegm in my throat. But I think I have the ability to continue to serve God. I'm saying all that to say this. We as senior citizens have the opportunity to be an example, be an encouragement, to be an exhorter to those that are under us that when you get to our age here, you have seen that we are still serving God to the best of our ability and your goal and your choice should be when you get there to be the same way. One of my greatest characters is David. David wrote so many of the Psalms. And if you were to follow me on Facebook, every morning, I have 2,600-something friends on Facebook. Many of those are people that were in my church in the different areas where I've been. 
But I've been posting of devotion out of Psalms for a couple of years. And I enjoy reading and studying Psalms. And David has challenged me in such a strong and mighty way. But what we want to do is realize that David, as a young man, had some choices to make. You know the story of David and Goliath. David was sent by his father to see how the battle was going. And when he got there, he saw that the battle was not going too well. In fact, there was no battle at all. There was a giant standing in the valley. And the Philistine army was on one side and the Israelites was on the other. And a giant was standing in the valley and he was mocking God. He was mocking Jehovah. And nobody was doing anything about it. When David got there, he couldn't understand what was going on and why there was no battle going and why this man was able to stand there and they allowed him to defy the God of Israel. And David began to question and talk to people. His brothers even turned against him. Why are you here? What are you doing here? Who are keeping those sheep back there? They made accusation that he left his job and was coming and putting his nose into something that didn't belong to him. But David took a stand. And that stand was one with courage. If you want to follow along a couple of verses here, turn to 1 Samuel chapter 17. And I want to show you what the real battle was all about. You see, you talk to the average modern person today, and they like the story of David and Goliath, but they look at it many times as the underdog had won. And they always say, it's always good. I like to root for the underdog. So they like the story from that viewpoint. And many times, people get their theology from Hollywood and when you watch the story from Hollywood, you don't always see the depth of what is going on there. But here in 1 Samuel chapter 17, look down at verse number 6, or 26, I mean. 17, 26. For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God. Here is confidence in God. Here is faith of a young man. How there's older people than him there, but none of them are willing to take a stand. His brothers are angry that he's come and got involved in it. But David was willing to stand no matter how much opposition was there. He was willing to stand no matter what anybody else said. So David had made a choice here. And he wanted to make sure that they knew that somebody ought to take a stand. Now David didn't take an offense at what was said to him. Sometimes when people criticize us, we take an offense to that. 
We take an offense to what somebody says. You think I've been through as long as I have and not been criticized for some things that I've done? Sure I have. Some things that I've done. In fact, I told somebody the other day, and I've said this, I've used this phrase many times before. I said, well, I don't agree with everybody 100%. In fact, I don't even always agree with myself 100%. There's some things I've done in my life. I wish I could go back and change them, but you can't change them. You have to just go on from where you are. If somebody criticizes you, and here they were criticizing David, but he didn't let that deter him. But the way he handled this was very interesting. In fact, David did not know what Proverbs 15.1 says, but he knew the principle of it. A soft answer turneth away wrath, but grievous words stir up anger. Now, to get his point across, David made some strong statements, but I don't think he was angry. I don't think he was out of his way, but he knew what he was going to do. He had made a choice. In Proverbs 16, verse 20, it says this, He that handleth a matter wisely shall find good. And whoso trusteth in the Lord, happy is he. David was not going to confront what was going on here in his own strength. He had made a choice. He was going to stand. He was going to do what he was going to do. But he realized as a kid, he was not physically able to take that giant on. So he was not going out there in his own strength. He was going out there in the strength of God. In verse 29 here, 1 Samuel 17, it says this, Is there not a cause? He turned to his brothers who had criticized him. He said, Is there not a cause? I don't think he was angry when he said that. He was just questioning, is there not a cause? There's sometimes everybody else may be doing something that you had to make a choice. Who are you going to serve, God or man? Whose side are you going to be on, God's side or the world's side? You see, sometimes and most of the time, those two sides are not in harmony. They're not in parallel, not, not going the same way. So here is David, and he's saying, is there not a cause? In fact, he was right. The entire Jewish population should be enraged at what's going on. I'm always amazed at how few people will speak up about things that take place today. In our world today, I guarantee you, I'm talking about in the United States, When you take a vote, the majority of their people are going to say, we do not believe in abortion. But the vocal minority can twist the politicians to make choices. Sometimes our voices are silent. We have to make a choice. What are we going to do? Will we suffer for it? Sometimes. And David did not know what was going to happen. But he was willing to trust God. And we know the story. He went out there 
not with the armor of Saul, not with the weapons of the world. He went out there with what he was used to using, which was a slingshot, and he picked up some smooth stones, and he went out there in the power of God. And God used him. He slew that giant. The issue was not between David and the giant, not between a boy and a giant. The issue was who's going to stand up for God. And he went out there and God gave him the victory. My challenge to you senior adults here today, keep standing. I don't know who's here today. My wife's about to farthest back I can see, so I just see a crowd out there. I don't see faces. I don't know who's here. But I do know there's some in this church that I've known for a long time, and they're still standing. They're no longer with us, but I thought about even as I was preparing this. In 1945, 46, 47, we were in Coldwater Baptist Church, a little bit of kid. Two of the main stage of the church in that day was Charlie and Claudia Leslie. They served God till God called them home. I've eaten many meals in the home of Alice Kemp till she got physically unable she was right in her place. There's others here. Mrs. Purdy. I assume she may be here this morning. I've been in their home many times as a kid. She and James, her parents, the Clecklers, very faithful in the church. It's always thrilling when I'm here. She comes up to me to let me know that she's here to see she's still standing. My challenge to you today is continue to stand and look down and be an encouragement to those younger families sometimes who are struggling a little bit in areas. Our society is developed where we have problems upon top Problems. The perfect ideal is for a, per, a person to be mature before they get married. I always say you need to be a perfect person or a mature person before you get saved, before you get uh, married. It doesn't always happen. So now here's two people who are still juggling a ball, trying to know how to be themselves. And now they got to learn not only how to be a person, but also a parent, a, a, a partner. And then all of a sudden, before they get any of this done, children come along. So now they're trying to learn how to be a person, to be a partner, and now to be a parent. And no wonder the younger couple sometimes are struggling. But the senior adults in the church can be an encouragement. Be an example 
and most of all, can be a partner in prayer. That's one of the greatest things that you senior adults can do today is pray for those that are down there. My challenge today, continue to stand, you young couples, young people, children, make a decision. No matter what somebody else is going to do, I'm going to take a stand. You say, but I can't do it. It's hard. Yes, you can. One of the favorite verses I've come to know in recent years is Philippians 2.13. says this, For it is God that worketh in you. Holy Spirit is there. For it is God that worketh in you both. Now, he's going to tell you two things that the Holy Spirit is doing in this relationship. For it is God that worketh in you both to do. No, back up. I got it backwards. For it is God that worketh in you both to will. That means to give you the willingness to do, which means give you the ability or the power or the strength. For it is God who worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Now, what is his good pleasure? For you to stand. You can stand, not in your strength, but like David, you can stand in the strength of God. Father, thank you for this special day and these special adult seniors that are here today. I thank you for their stand through the years. And some of those were examples to me. And Lord, I've wanted to be an example for others. I thank you for those that are here today. I thank you for the young couples. Because that's the future of our church. I pray that you'll help them to realize they can stand and they do not have to do it in their own strength but they can do it depending upon you to work in their life and through their life. Bless this message to their heart and may they remember that there's many people in the scripture that have been examples to them of how they have stood for you through the years. We thank you, Lord, for this life that you've given us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.